Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. Psychologist, author, speaker, musician, former professor, and the host of Love and Life, Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. Welcome to Love and Life. I'm Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. I'm excited to bring to the program the first episode on experiential therapy. We'll focus today on equine therapy, which is therapy with horses, and we'll learn just how powerful it can be. And to join me in the conversation, I've invited psychotherapist Kate Lambie and equine specialist Janata Helbison Gibbs to the program. So let's start out by telling the listeners a little bit about EGALA and what makes it unique. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So EGALA is an international certification um, and there are four components to that. that That's client driven. It's all done on the ground. It's evidence-based and we're actually one of the um, only certifications that work with a upstanding code of ethics. Well, I like ethics. We all do. We love ethics. Yeah, Yeah, it's funny. It's one of those courses in your grad program that everyone's like, oh, ethics. But as you become active in your profession, you realize just how important and sadly how many folks out there are so unethical. So that's great that that's really grounded even in the philosophy and like you said, the four points of a gala. Absolutely. So help us understand. So you said they're on the ground. So right away, I want to, I, I'm, I'm thinking that some people would imagine that the therapeutic portion of working with horses would be that they would ride, mm-hmm. but EGALA is all on the ground. So help us understand that. What we do that is a bit different is that the horses are actually working in partnership with us and truly in partnership with the clients in doing this work. And the reason that we do all of that on the ground is that the horses have the freedom to move away toward whatever it is. It's There's no horsemanship um, experience required to do this. It's about the connection. It's about the metaphors and what you're able to project, reflect, and change through your interactions with how the horses are responding to what's happening within you. So you're saying I can walk into a barn and meet a horse for the first time and a therapeutic experience could happen. Absolutely. Who the horse becomes to you um, has to do with what you're processing in that moment. The horse is a bit of a, of a blank slate. So I'm thinking of something that I think listeners would be familiar with, whether or not they were in the field, but a Rorschach test is the ink blots, right? And so right. the therapist would hold up an ink blot mm-hmm. and the client is going to mm-hmm. see in that ink blot whatever they need to see in that moment. Well, and I think the most important piece of EGALA is that it is client-centered. That client will bring up in that session, if they want to, if they mm-hmm. choose to, to see, oh, that interaction those horses just had, and that was aggressive. That reminded me of this, mm-hmm. this past trauma that I had. And then we are trained in the questioning piece of that, bringing that out more and more and more. So what kind of questions might you ask? Every session is different. So one thing that we do is, is practice clean language. So a client comes in and they come into the arena and we'll usually ask them if they have um, an, an intention or a goal to work on that day. I'll admit most of the time people will come in and say, you know, I don't, I don't know. And 
I always love reflecting. I don't know is also an answer (laughs) (laughs) because in, in this experiential therapy, what we'll do, the person comes in, I don't know, go and introduce themselves to the horses. Um, typically after, you know, a minute or two, there will be something that comes forward and you can literally feel that shift. And usually the client will let us know, like they'll start looking over at us or something like that. We'll go in and check in with them and ask us very simple open-ended questions. And more directly, we'll keep bringing the attention to the horses. That allows all of that to, instead of being internalized, to be externalized. There could be, the horse seems really anxious today. What about the horses telling you that it's anxious? Uh, switching is switching his tail as it keeps bringing its 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 butt to me. So what is it telling you? It's telling me that it doesn't want to be near me. It doesn't trust me. Is that reflecting anything else that's happening for you? Well, I don't know. I don't. I I I don't know what's going on. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Okay. So if we take a step back and think about where else that is happening in your life. And you can, I always bring this forward as well. You can feel free to share that with us, or you can bring that to the horse and maybe tell them a little bit about what's going on. And just keep bringing it back to the horses and we step away and see what they would like to do with that. We generally keep those check-ins really, really short so that they get to just jump right back in with the horses and they're reflecting back into themselves for their own answers. And the empowerment that that brings to find your own answers and being Mm -hmm. allowed to find your own answers is so powerful and it's powerful to observe. Mm-hmm. And how do you think it is different then? We've talked about the talk therapy, the, the traditional, would you say that can, I mean, of course we know that's also powerful, but in what way do you feel that the experiential is able to offer something different? Mm-hmm. I think kind of like how Janata already kind of explained in the sense of you're in the moment having that emotion triggered or brought up. And then in that moment, maybe directed by the horses, maybe directed by the ES or the MH, you know, you can process that in the moment, right? The, the MH can say, what do you need right now? In this moment of re-experiencing this terror or um, something that happened, how can you right now take that power back just a little bit? What do you need to do for yourself? And you're handing them that power. And that's so empowering for them Mm -hmm. to be able to speak to that in a safe place. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we also, you know, it depends on where the curiosity lies with the client and and listening to their language, you know, who the horses are becoming. You know, in our arena, we have tons of things for people to, to create with. So we'll have really innocuous items that can become... Um, symbols and metaphors. So we'll have like tons of different colors of pool noodles and cones and, you know, giant yoga balls and hula hoops and poles and clothes. And what they can do with these objects is create spaces. They can create a perpetrator. They can create their family system. They can create who they are now and who they would like to be. And when they're able to project that out there, it is so powerful. It's so powerful to be able to destroy a perpetrator. 
you take that experience with you wherever you go and you recognize what you've experienced in the arena outside of the arena. So again, it generalizes from what happens in that experience mm-hmm. then to other domains of your life. Yeah. And that's creating new neuro neuro pathways. Mm-hmm. This quarter, Love and Life lends a hand to 11th Candle Company. All proceeds from the sale of my book, Single is the New Black, Don't Wear White Till It's Right, will go to 11th Candle Company's Legacy Foundation. To hear more about the incredible work Amber Runyon is doing to help women escape sex trafficking, please take a listen to my podcast interview with her. It's episode 42, How Does a Candle Company Combat Human Trafficking? 11th Candle Company. Check them out at 11thcandleco.com and be sure to use promo code TAKECHARGE to receive 20% off your entire purchase. So, Kate, can you share the example that you've talked about before about your own experience? Because I think sometimes someone would think maybe, well, like, for example, group therapy. When I was in grad school becoming a therapist, we had to take a group therapy class. And part of it was an experiential piece where we were in a group. And I remember thinking, well, we're all in school to become therapists. We're not alcoholics. We don't have eating disorders. You know, my, my typical notion of a group model would be only those types of folks with those types of conditions would benefit from a group. And I was completely wrong because <laughs> anyone can benefit from being in a group. And that's, mm-hmm. that's an entirely different podcast. But similarly, the connection I'm making here is that anyone can benefit. I could go as a psychologist with all my years of knowledge and I could go and have an experience yeah. with equine therapy that would be very powerful. And you shared one that was interesting. And here you were not even trying to have an experience. You were just in the barn one day. I think you you were sharing. Um, there was just one day when I was, um, I was just hanging out with the herd, getting to know them. They were at Liberty free to be themselves walking around without halters doing their thing. And, um, I was uh, warned by one of the horse handlers, um, that there was one horse in particular named Wilbur, who is a big, big halflinger, Um, horse. And what he would do is he will pin his ears back, which means he's not very happy um, and kind of push, push his whole face kind of into you and um, push you out of the way or push you against a wall or whatever it may be. Um, And so in this particular day, I was out there hanging out with some horses. And then all of a sudden from across the way, I saw him look at me. I saw him pin his ears back and put his whole head forward and just start barreling towards me. And I got so scared um, because I've gotten to know horses, but I definitely have a great respect for horses as well. Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> um, they're large animals. Um, and I was out there alone and this was a new herd. And, not, you know, I was like, oh, and I literally turned around and ran for it. Like I started <laughs> running away. And then all of a sudden I realized, I was like, hey, what are you doing? Like, if anyone saw you, this, this is crazy. So I, I turned around still frightened and I stopped and I put my hand right up like a stop sign. And I said, stop. And he came right all the way up to my hand as put and put his um, lips right to my hand and then just looked at me. <laughs> and it was a very, very powerful moment for myself. I put a metaphor on that um, for myself. That was very powerful being able to know that, you know, 
I, I'm able to protect myself and I'm able to put up these boundaries. Mm-hmm. And if a big horse like this will listen, <laughs> I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm able to have more power in this. And I will never forget it. And it was also your body. My body was in flight mode. <laughs> I got to get the hell out of there. Right. Right. Until you told your body, no, we're going to respond to this instance differently. And maybe in other experiences, when you have felt threatened, you have taken off to run. Correct. And that has been the choice that served you well and worked. But then in this moment, you decided, I do have another option. I can keep running. Yeah, that's a choice. But I have another option that I'd like to try. I'd like to see if I could say, no, I don't have to take off. But I'll, and, and so that physical action of your body demonstrating to this creature, and he's what? How many pounds, guys? Good 1,200 pounds. Yeah. yeah. And so 1,200 pounds said, okay, and came right up to your, your palm. Oh, yeah. Just like, a, just like a slowing big locomotive. Right? <laughs> you had to be nervous. I wasn't. The minute his face touched my hand, the ears went straight up. Yeah. He turned into this lovely creature and I wasn't afraid anymore. Like it was almost instantaneous. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow, I was running from this. It can't hurt me. Right. This person cannot hurt me. You know, mm-hmm. it's powerful stuff. Yeah. It is. And you saw the respect for your boundary right away. The respect and the power that I felt in the safety. Mm-hmm. I felt in that moment. Mm-hmm. Hey, Black Coffee Drinkers, Love and Life's newest sponsor, Drink Now, is about to change your world. I'm a black coffee drinker, and so I know what you've been going through. You're burning your tongue, you're scalding your mouth, you're having to wait 40 minutes before you can even take a sip of your black coffee. By the time your coffee is cooled down enough that you could drink it, your muffin or your donut is already long gone. I know. I can't wait to eat that donut either. But now there's a solution. The Drink Now Perfector takes scalding hot coffee down to a drinkable 140 degrees in just 20 seconds without watering your coffee down. Learn more about Drink Now at drinknow.com and on Instagram at underscore drink underscore now underscore. Do you have, when you have clients, they may come with one issue that they want to work with the horses with and then something entirely different ends up showing up that day? Mm-hmm. I, You can't lie to a horse. Mm -mm. They don't care what you're telling yourself. They don't care what you're telling us. They're reflecting what is actually happening within you, whether you're conscious of it or not. I'm imagining so. (laughs) I'm just a lot of thoughts going on. But one thing I'm thinking, so in a typical barn, are, are the horses... Are they working every day, many, many hours? Or do sometimes they're like, no, I'm not in the mood. <laughs> I'm not doing this today. Like, so how does this work? It's oh my like, gosh. Can I please speak to that? <laughs> <laughs> That's your role. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So my job is, as I see it is um, truly to, to be able to check in with these horses, have an, an established um, shorthand and language um, with them. What I love is that and not all of the horses on our ranch, we use an equine assisted therapy. It's not really a calling for all horses. It's something that they innately do, but it's not something that all horses would thrive doing. Um, some love showing, some love rodeoing, and some just really need to be out in the pasture. <laughs> 
Um, and so my job is to be able to check in with these different teams. They all have ways specifically to tell me that they are approaching their threshold. You know, we, through experience, have really been able to, to see, you know, how many sessions for us facilitators, as well as the horses, you know, work. We do breaks in between. We, you know, check in with each other and the team, you know, which which. Um, teams have been working with which clients, how many days in a row have they been, have they been working? And we've absolutely had horses that were kind of getting burnt up and we listen to them. And honestly, we model after them, you know, that, that self-care piece, I paid, if I paid enough attention to myself in this work, as I do the horses, they remind me that I need to be paying attention to my own, you know, threshold. What do I need to be caring for myself and resting and restoring. And I really ensure that, that they do that. Um, but yeah, if we have a horse that is having an off day or, you know, something's, they're just feeling, you know, a bit off, you know, I can tell if they're not, they're not tracking, you know, that day we put, they get a ribbon in their tail, they get to go out and rest and relax. And we bring it up to the client that that horse isn't available today. So here are some other options. What would you like to do? bring it back to the client. Do clients typically sign up for, I'm going to do this for six weeks, uh, a couple hours on Wednesday, and I'm always going to work with Sandy, the horse, or is it, as you mentioned, sometimes Sandy, the horse isn't available, so they'll work with another horse. And is it kind of that kind of treatment plan or can they come one time and just have an experience for an hour or so and then never come back? How does it typically work? Well, I think it depends on the program that you're you're mm-hmm. promoting within your ranch and okay. on your practice. You can do group programs, uh, which can run a certain amount of weeks. Um, our program ran about eight weeks. Uh, you can also do one-on-one individual psychotherapy, mm-hmm. um, and so that would be signing up like it with any psychotherapy um, session, like it in an office, right? So. You um, work with your team with that, with setting goals and check in on how long that's going to be. Yeah, that's what we do for the, Mm -hmm. yeah, with Triple T Haven. So we're um, an intensive equine assisted therapeutic program for adult trauma survivors. And um, all of those decisions are made um, through the clinical team based on clinical need um, and, you know, verified through the, the intake and things like that. So you know, in our program, it's all individualized. So for some people, four weeks was, that was perfect. I have worked with people that it was literally one session and life changing. Mm. And that was amazing. And I've worked with people that it took a, a few months, you know, it's trauma doesn't work on a schedule, you know, right. and healing doesn't right. work on a schedule and we don't exist in a vacuum, you know, they've got lives outside of where we are. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those things can change every day. That's why I love that it's, mm-hmm. it's client-led. Yeah. It's whatever's happening today. That's where we meet you. And that's why this model is so versatile because you mm-hmm. can plan, you know, if you wanted to, you could plan one, you could plan one day group mm-hmm. and have a topic with it and do one session. Mm-hmm. You could do a corporate event. You could do, yeah. it's very versatile and can reach many different populations. Yeah. There are as many ways as there are people. Mm-hmm. You know, do you think there are some people like so if the listeners out there going, huh, I don't know, am I a good candidate for this? Are there some people who you think respond better to experiential as opposed to typical talk therapy? Or do you think 
Are you curious about it? Right. <laughs> try it. Say, right. If you're already open to it, <laughs> I'd say try it. Yeah. There's a reason why your curiosity is, you know, there's a reason why you're listening to this now. There's a reason why it's piquing your interest. Mm. And also I would say, cause I think there are some people out there where maybe talk therapy isn't necessarily getting you where you think you can go or where you want to go. And I mean, experiential therapy is great for that. Or if talk therapy is only taking you to a certain point, you know, and you need to go a little deeper or, um, yeah, I think yeah. it would be beneficial in that way. Yeah. If there's something that you are stuck in, that's where experiential can really be profound and powerful because you're accessing a completely different part of your brain mm-hmm. and, um, and your body, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, the body holds so many memories and being in a physical space, like actually physically moving, you know, put, putting your, you know, creating spaces, interacting with horses, you know, there's, I mean, there's physical, um, there's physical benefits also to even just being around horses, you know, that help to regulate the system. I mean, it's incredible for folks with PTSD and anxiety and depression. It's, it's, it's amazing. Um, is it for everybody? No. And that's totally fine. That's why there are a ton of different modalities. Absolutely. That's why I say follow your curiosity. Um, but yeah, if there is a place that you're feeling um, particularly stuck in, um, maybe it'd be worth a try. So my background as a therapist was with kids, and I see this as being particularly helpful for children. Not that adults, obviously adults can get so much out of it. I'm super on board, no question. But especially kids who, in my experience, I was working in inner city Chicago, sitting down with some 13-year-old boy who does not really want to talk to this, at the time, I'm 25-year-old chick in front of him. And I love the experiential for that because that talking at a young person, I mean, parents will mm-hmm. say this all the time. They, they, you know, even things like don't even try to talk to your kid unless you're driving. Cause that way you're look, both looking forward, those sorts of things. A young person, especially who may feel already like, why do I have to go talk to somebody? I'm not crazy. All those sorts of messages that might be going on in their mind. And especially I'm thinking also of Kate, you've, you've taken some kids from urban contexts out to a farm. I mean, that alone, the kids I worked with, many of whom had never left their neighborhood, had not left their block, basically. Mm -hmm. They could see the Sears Tower from the south side of Chicago, and they would tell me, they're 13 years old, I've never been downtown. I mean, so even just getting them out of an environment that has very likely, the kids I was working with, they were in child welfare for a reason, Mm -hmm. so they had had trauma, and to get them out, just even that Mm -hmm. was so powerful. Mm -hmm. But Kate, talk about some of the experiences you've had with kids in particular with equine therapy. Yeah, so actually a lot of my experience so far has been with um, the teenage population, um, with the equine therapy, and um, I think it's been great for them. Uh, I'll give you one example. Um, we just finished our pilot program and um, where we served teens in high school struggling with anxiety and depression. And we actually got a referral for the 16-year-old boy who was the mom cornered me the first time that um, we arrived just upset. And, oh, he's just not doing well at home and he doesn't listen and he doesn't have friends and this and that. And just very stressed about it. And in the beginning, very reserved, very quiet, not talking a lot. 
But I will tell you near probably the second to last session, the mom cornered me again. (laughs) And she said, oh my gosh, he has changed so much. He is talking, he is listening, he's doing his homework, um, all these things. And then she said, and after this program, he wants to have individual therapy with you now. So that is like a huge, to a kid who didn't even want to do in office therapy, he did this. And the first thing he kept saying is, I can't believe I have was able to have a relationship with the horse. Mm. I think that meant so much to him, not to mention the group dynamic. This group got very close and was very supportive of each other. And you could just see how he changed just in his face and in the way his posture and the way that he was interacting. Um, He just opened up. He just blossomed. Um, So that's just one example, right, of a kid Mm -hmm. maybe shut down not wanting to be open um, about maybe struggles or issues. And that has completely changed. Yeah. And I'm thinking about, as you were mentioning earlier, both of you about how the horses are just going to respond the way they're going to respond. So I'm thinking about some of the kids I worked with again in, um, in Southside Chicago. Some of these kids, they had sadly come from so much trauma and chaos, even some of the basic kind of social skills they were lacking so they were having trouble at school making friends. So they weren't getting a social support in school. The families obviously were fractured. So they were struggling in so many realms. But then, of course, you know, they, because they don't have any good social support, then school is difficult. And then, of course, the academics. And so it's all just spiraling. And I'm thinking about how a kid who maybe their default mode was to get aggressive and just assume that every kid in the school is disrespecting them. Oh, he disrespected me. He disrespected. So you bring that to a barn. And a kid kind of comes at a horse with this more aggressive tendency. And how is the horse going to respond? But for a young person to see, hmm, I just spooked that horse because I came at that horse. They might go, oh, maybe I do that to the kids at school, too. Kind of say, is that where we're going? Yeah. Right. But at the same time, they might not see that that way. No. Right. A horse might, as we would see, be nibbling or almost biting on a kid. And that could be like, it's kissing me. Right. So, Um, I mean, but that is that helps you with understanding where the client is and where their self-awareness is and even their awareness and relationships with with other people and living things. Right. And horses are. they're so. I just, you know, when you talk about coming at with aggression, but what is underneath that aggression? Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, it reminds me of um, I was even just walking in a pasture with with someone and. You know, that was just having such a hard time even regulating so much anxiety. The brain just so busy and circling, circling, circling. Um, and we were out in the pasture. We were spending some time and there's this big black horse with us. And the the client just says to me, I, sometimes I just feel like I just need to scream. I said, scream? Well, wasn't it going to scare the horses? And I was like, well, do they have a place to to, to move? You know, do, do they have freedom to do what they need to do to take care of themselves. And they're like, yeah. I was like, all right. You know, I offered to do it with them. <laughs> Which <laughs> like, is always fun. be kind of fun for me too. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. And you just think about like that physical release. So anyway, it was like on the count of three and just like full, like. <sighs> and again, I think that they did it like three different times. And you know, that horse didn't move at all. Just brought its nose to her when she was done. Wow. Yeah. 
because it was like that that was your truth right like the horses pick up on what is what is congruent and what is truthful and that was so powerful i mean it was powerful to witness but it was especially powerful and i would interpret that and this is not my job to interpret her experience but uh, just from hearing that and so this may say i'm projecting onto this now <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, are you, you having do. an experience I, I right think, yeah. do, this right? is experiential yeah. therapy for me right now but what i love about that is that she saw that she could scream and be in her full authentic self and express yep. herself 100% authentically and no one left mm-hmm. yep. you didn't leave the horse didn't leave yeah that yeah is beautiful yeah mm-hmm. And as we've been saying, much more powerful than people can even realize, I think, until they've been able to mm-hmm. hear a podcast like this and, and start getting, like you said, curious. Hmm, what's that about? Mm-hmm. Or maybe they've heard someone else has experienced it or they have had something like that. Mm-hmm. Even maybe some of those initiative courses that sometimes corporate, the corporate world will have a team building experience. Right. But some of those things, yeah. I was always the person like, oh, that's going to be so hokey and so corny and so won't work. And at the end, I'd be like, I love everyone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, it totally worked. Right? Right, right. So, yeah. And even, you know, with what you were just saying too, the, the empowerment that comes and honestly, the discomfort that comes from asking yourself for the answers that you're looking for. That is so uncomfortable for so many people because it's something they've never done. And they they may have never established even an ounce of trust in themselves. And especially with, you know, a lot of trauma survivors, it's all about being able to be so hyper vigilant and picking up on what is happening around me, what needs to happen so that I can get out of here alive. You're not asking yourself what you want. You're not asking yourself what you need. There's no time or energy mm-hmm. for that. Yeah. And you get to see that reflected with the horses because they're honestly asking you curiosity and they are very clear about what they want and what they need. Do you ever have people show up and they look you straight in the face and say, how's this horse going to help me with that abuse that happened when I was seven? Oh, Yeah. I mean, absolutely. it's a legitimate question. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, for us at that point, and I'd love to hear what you'd like to add as well, Kate, of mm-hmm. course, is what brought you here, you know, and then also clarifying how different this is from traditional therapy. They come in with those questions. It's like, justify this to me. Yeah. You tell me what to do, right? Tell me how I'm supposed to win at this. Right. Mm-hmm. Or tell me how I'm going to lose. Mm-hmm. And it's our job to, to just keep that very, very clear. You know, what we say is, you know, whatever you bring in is what you get out of it. Um, and that may sound short, but a lot of the things that we say are very vague for a reason, because the client's only going to go as far as, as they're ready to go. If we, if we set up even an ounce of expectation, then there is a right or wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then we're not doing justice to them. We're disempowering them in that process. Mm-hmm. Even just going in with curiosity, you know, what are you bringing in today and see what the horse has said? You don't even have to tell us about it. Yeah. It's about your experience. This is all yours. You don't even have to know. Yeah. I mean, I think with the re- resistance a lot with the teenagers. Oh, right. Know, sure. there, my parents made me come here. Right. And, um, yeah, but slowly but surely seeing them again kind of open up, you know, mm-hmm. um, make relationships with the 
other teens in the group making relationships with the horses. So, yeah, I have seen that for sure. Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. I'd love to connect with you on social media. On Instagram, I'm at Dr. Karen, D-R dot K-A-R-I-N. Here I share my thoughts on love and life through original quotes and images. I'd love to have you join the conversation. On Twitter, I'm at Dr. Karen Anderson. You can find me live tweeting my favorite shows, This Is Us, Will and Grace, and My Guilty Pleasure. All shows Bachelor Nation. On Facebook, I'm at Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. There you can read my blog, see where I'm speaking, and find links to others' podcasts when I'm a guest on their show. So we've been talking a little bit about a client's expectations and what they would imagine it might be like to be in equine therapy or therapy in general. And one of the things that you both have spoken to a little bit, but I want to focus a little bit more on is something that actually generalizes to all therapy. I've talked to many people over the years and they maybe went to a therapist for a time and and they were frustrated because, and I'm laughing just because it's something that you understand when you are the therapist, but I, and I can understand where the client is coming from. The client is coming for answers. And sometimes it's frustrated when that therapist will not give them those answers. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, they can get a little irate. Like I'm paying you money. I hurt. You're supposed to make me feel better. Tell me exactly how to do that. And experiential therapies in particular are probably maybe the least directive. And so could that tension there could be something that clients might deal with. But talk about the benefits of the client directed, even if the client doesn't want to direct the therapy, what a client centered therapy, an experiential therapy that allows the client to, as you were saying, Janata, you're creating space for the client to then find their own healing, their own solutions. So the amazing part to holding space for it to be client driven and why we um, keep that so vague is if they're looking to us for answers, it disempowers them in being able to find their own solutions. If we keep having a client come to us and looking to us, who do we become? Right. Well, we foster dependency, first exactly. of all. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And then what does that do to the client? It completely disempowers them. Yes, it disempowers them. And that is coming from someplace in in their storyline that they came to believe that there's no way they could be smart enough, brave enough, mm-hmm. intelligent enough to direct their own life. And it can be a very uncomfortable yes. process mm-hmm. because what is familiar is that dependency, is putting it off on other people. But that familiarity is why they're coming to us because it's not working anymore. Right. And I think um, it is uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable for everyone. You know, that empathic part of you um, wants to reach out and help. But as you stated, that fosters dependency. Therapy is there to help you get unstuck, get yourself unstuck, mm-hmm. and then be able to live a fully functioning life. So therapy is just a tool to help get you there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if I may add as well, you know, my experience, so I'm a trauma survivor as well, um, complex uh, trauma. And I was so blessed to find incredible therapists 
who worked with me for years and I found them at just the right time and they held that clear space for me. And that was the kindest and most empowering thing that they could do was not give me those answers, right? but to keep reflecting it back so that I would have the courage to find my own. And begin to believe that you could find your own. Absolutely. Because if they kept giving you answers, then you would have the subtle message that they would not have intended to give you, but would have given you nonetheless was that Janana, you do, you'll always need therapy. You'll always need someone wiser and more emotionally healthy to give you answers. Right. You're not broken. Right. Right. You don't need to be fixed. And that's what is very hard though. Again, going back to that client, he shows up going, I'm paying you money. Tell me what I'm supposed to do. Tell me how to fix this. Yeah. And that's even in talk therapy. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Exactly. It's not a commodity. Right. Right. Healing is a process. Right. Well, and in, in, in therapy, we talk about trusting the process as well, which again, when you're, when the process includes being uncomfortable and being in pain, the client's going, I don't trust any of this because it's hurting. Right. And it's very hard. And that's why you do have dropout and, and people going, I, no. And especially, I think in this day and age, I'm concerned that we as a culture are so, <laughs> so uncomfortable being uncomfortable. <laughs> so unwilling, I guess I should say. Mm-hmm. We're, we're so unwilling to be uncomfortable. You know, even the young people, they'll be like, that was awkward. I'm like, well, a lot of life is awkward. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yes, it was. Yeah. Pathologized yeah. a lot. Right. Mm-hmm. Many, many moments mm-hmm. in, in any given day are going to be awkward. And uncomfortable. It, right. And that, uh, yeah. And, and to Kate's point, that's not pathology. Awkward is not pathological. Just because you're feeling awkward in this moment doesn't mean that you have some diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And, and so to, like you said, to trust the process. Mm-hmm. And that's not easy, but I I think maybe the process, because it's active, it's with another creature, it's with an animal, maybe that can help with someone who, it it just feels like you're doing more. Because I think that's what I've heard before too in talk Mm -hmm. therapy. Well, we just didn't do anything. And she didn't even say anything to me, basically. I just Mm -hmm. kept talking at my therapist and my therapist kept saying, "Mm mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that that <laughs> for some people, that process is hard to trust. Right. But I mean, I think I mean, because it is client led, you may you may have a day where the client doesn't want to work with the horses sure. and maybe the oh, client yeah. wants to just go on a walk in the pasture. Right. Yeah. And as a cl- clinician, you're like, wait, we have to do this by the book. I need the intervention. I need this. I need that. Maybe that's the intervention. Absolutely. You know, I remember doing a herd walk with this client and it was about just seeing the horses and see who they connected with. And there were literally no horses. I don't know how it was possible. Horses were out in the big pasture and you could not see any horses. It never happened before. But that it it was such a profound reflection point for them because they were like, this is how I feel. Wow. Right. Yeah. And another thing to give this kind of reminds me is anything in the environment can come into the story. So if chickens, yes, anything, a car driving by, you know, a tractor coming by and all of a sudden scaring all the horses. Yeah. If, if the client brings that up and and makes it a part of the story, it can be part of the story. Mm -hmm. So it's not 
always about the horses. It's the environment and the horses and everything going on. Yeah, the horses are a huge part of that because they are able to to tap in and reflect Mm -hmm. so purely. But Mm -hmm. yeah, you're just holding you're just there holding the mirror. And I would imagine the horses then also hold up a mirror at times. They are are a mirror, right? They're a living, breathing, moving mirror. Yeah. And there, there may be some things that are put together there in that session. There may be a ton of things that come up on the drive home. Mm -hmm. There may be pieces that come up, you know, weeks later, months later, years later. And it's like a little light bulb. They go, oh my gosh, that's exactly what happened with that horse. Mm -hmm. So ladies, how can listeners find out more if they are interested to see if there might be some EGALA programs in their area, if they want to, if their curiosity has been piqued? Not the curiosity. Um, So EGALA actually has a brand new website. And so if you go to EGALA, E-A-G-A-L-A dot org, um, there's a really wonderful informational video that is there on the opening page. There's a lot more information about what EGALA is. There's also a way to find a programmer's a tab. Um, and you can put in your zip code, you can put in your state. Um, and there are all different, you know, individual therapists and programs that are listed on their, their specialties, whether they work with children, whether they work with veterans, where, you know, whatever their specialties may be, yeah. and they have them all listed there. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, the Agala website is a great, great resource. Mm-hmm. Right. Your curiosity guide you. <laughs> <laughs> Kate, anything that you want to share as far as contact yeah. information or... Well, as far as speaking in Illinois, there are several uh, barns, working barns with EGALA, which I'm very happy about. I just went to a networking event yesterday. Mm-hmm. So there are programs up and running in Illinois. So, um, But as far as ours, I work with youth and family counseling. Um, but again, our um, website is uh, youth and family counseling. You can just Google that and uh, the website should come up. And my name is Kate Lambie. And you can email me at klamby at counselingforall.org. The love and life hack for this week is horses heal. Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. This is Dr. Karen Anderson April. And until next time, make it a great week. Dr. Karen Love and Life is produced by Tim May and host and executive producer, Dr. Karen Anderson-April.